0: Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Duncan and today I'm going to talk to you about whether it's possible to be an ethical property investor. A lot of people look at property investment as a potential path to financial security and financial freedom. And understandably so, uh, property prices have, as everybody knows, gone pretty crazy over the last few years and and in the preceding you know decades before that um they've been a really reliable investment for a lot of new zealanders but at the same time lately we've seen more and more sort of bad press towards the property investment industry um you know positioned as a as a uh, pool of people which make it harder for first-time buyers to get on the ladder potentially or um you know as rents go up and and properties housing in general becomes less affordable uh this this world gets a little bit murkier and trickier and it's harder for people to understand whether it's possible to be a property investor and still do it in a in a way that's good for society so i I coach a lot of people through this process uh and one of the first questions a lot of younger people particularly ask is you know how do they go about investing in property but doing it in an ethical way and I, i first of all it's so so cool that people ask that question and second of all, you know, I think it is possible and there are some steps you can take to to do it in a good way and I'm going to share those with you today. Number one and something I've tried to follow, you know, my my whole career is to focus on buying properties that a first-time buyer wouldn't want. I think the issue with property investment comes around when it makes it harder for first home buyers to buy. You know, I think in any society, we want as many people as possible owning their own homes because it gives security of tenure to the to the people. It gives, you know, kids and families a safe place to grow up. Um, it gives, you know, people uh, consistency with schooling and um, their communities and neighbors and just that's, that's got to be a good thing for, for young families. Uh, so when investors attempt to buy, you know, two to three bedroom standalone properties in a suburban neighborhood, those are the kind of properties that first-owned buyers are going to be trying to buy as well. And if you are adding yourself to that mix as a property investor, you're adding demand. You know, you're, you're putting another offer in the mix, which... You know, by definition, just makes it that little bit harder for a first-time buyer to buy that home. They've got to compete with you to buy it. So my first suggestion is just stay out of that game entirely. Focus on properties that first-time buyers aren't going to try and buy. So what does that actually look like in practice? You might decide to buy, rather than a three-bedroom standalone home, you might look for two flats on one title. You know, maybe it's two two two-bedroom flats side-by-side. Um, You might buy, uh, as we have, uh, a a block of three one-bedroom flats in Wellington. Uh, You could buy a home and income type property. Um, You could buy a uh, boarding house type property if you've got a bit more money to spend. Um, These sorts of properties have added benefits as well. So they provide you with multiple streams of income. And what that means is if you've got, you know, say, three one-bedroom properties on one title, then it's very unlikely that they're all going to be empty at the same time. So that can be really useful as a property manager to help you manage your cash flow. Generally, these types of properties will give you a better return uh, on the price that you pay as well. You'll get a better rent versus the purchase price because there you've got multiple units. Um, But you're on on one title. So you're not, you know, if you've got three one-bedroom flats on one title, you're usually not paying triple the rates. Um, and uh, you know or or triple the amount of insurance um, or maintenance as you would if you brought three individual flats on separate titles so i'm a big big fan of buying investor style properties and staying out of that first home buyer uh, arena um one added benefit is you'll have less competition to buy those properties because you're probably just competing with other property investors. So it's actually saves you time because you're not throwing offers at properties again and again and again only to to miss out. Um, So you're you're playing in a different wheelhouse. So that's the very first place to start. And that way you're not making it harder for any first-time buyer out there to buy their first time. Tip number two is to get it property managed so get it managed by a professional property manager the key thing there is you know it's so important like the number one thing any tenant deserves is to be treated fairly um, by the rules and uh, to have all the right information that they need at the right time and it's a property manager you know, hiring a property manager is your very best way to achieve that in my opinion they they know the process inside out they know what steps to take when anything goes wrong they know what has to be supplied to the tenant they've got um software to do uh inspections the right way and to check everything and make sure it's okay they've got software to check that the rent comes in on time and they're not going to fall back or forget to check something uh or jeopardize anything that might affect your insurance later on um in my opinion, a good property manager is worth their weight in absolute gold. Personally, I've tried managing rental properties myself and I've hired a property manager. And now that I've got a good property manager, I would just never go back to doing it myself. Um, The cost of hiring a property manager is uh, deductible as an expense uh, for your property investment business. Um, So it is a small expense, but it's thoroughly worthwhile. And by, in in my opinion, uh, is worth far more than what you pay for it. Uh, so if I can be so uh, bold as to add a little plug there, if you're in the Wellington area, check out our property management company, which is called simply rentals. Uh, you can just visit simplyrentals.co.nz If you want to talk to Lynette, who's my personal property manager, and she is amazing. Tip number three is to only buy an investment property if you can actually afford to spend money on it. So I've seen this happen time and again where people Uh, feel like, I've just got to get an investment property, I've just just got to get one, and they jump into it potentially too soon and then don't have any money set aside to uh, invest in making that property warmer, safer, drier, healthier, uh, or just keeping up with maintenance. And this can be a real downfall. So properties have things that go wrong. So, you know, the pot water cylinder can break, the spouting needs replacing, or you need to spend money on it to get it up to healthy home standards, putting in ventilation fans or heat pumps or more insulation. It's really important that if you buy an investment property, that you still have probably a good, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars set aside that you've got there that to to spend uh, if things need fixing. Not only that, you're going to need some money for your own home if you own that as well. So you're going to need kind of a, a, an amount of money for both properties to cover any any uh, improvements that need to be made okay next tip is to don't go crazy with rent increases you know new property owners landlords in new zealand are in a really strong position even with recent changes to to the tenancy laws um tenants are are often very vulnerable and it's hard for them to switch to a new property it's really not easy out there to rent a home so if you are a landlord please understand that you know your your tenants are in a tricky spot um Yes, rents do need to probably slowly increase over time to keep up with inflation and just and, and it's the natural sort of movement of things, but please don't take the piss um, you know try not to um you know surprise your tenants with massive increases that put them in a tricky position if you buy a property that's very under rented, have a conversation with your tenants about how. Uh, where you feel the market rent should be and how you can gradually move towards that place and try to to make it a gradual change uh, if that's the situation that you find yourself in next tip if you get into property investment, don't have a glass half empty view of tenants you know it's easy when you follow the news to only hear about you know the the, the horror stories and the things that go wrong and I think a lot of property investors go into this world fearing the worst you know thinking that they're going to get screwed over in my experience and i've been doing this for quite a while now the vast vast majority of people are kind lovely caring tenants who who just want a nice warm place to live you know they they'll pay the rent on time they'll look after your property they'll keep it clean and tidy they'll be cooperative um, they'll treat you with respect if you treat them with respect too if you go into this situation, sort of almost scared that you're going to get screwed over, um, you know that that it's easy to put that vibe across to your tenants and, and put them on the defensive as well. I think you you have to go in um, expecting the best um, with a glass half full approach uh, and and trust in your tenants to do the right thing. Uh, and that's where hiring a property manager comes in as well. You know they are trained to to do really thorough background checks and to make sure that you're um, selecting the right tenant in the first place. So that's where they add massive, massive value. So give your tenants the benefit of the doubt. That's the that's the key tip there. Next up, and, and a good way to to foster a good relationship with your tenants is to respond quickly to any and all maintenance requests. If your tenant gives you a bit of information. You know, like maybe they say, hey, look, your gutters are getting a bit blocked or this path's getting a bit slippery. Please don't look at that as a hassle that, oh, crap, I need to, you know, spend some money and sort this out. That that tenant is doing you a favor by telling you that there's something that you need to be thinking about and attending to. You want to respond quickly to those requests or if it's something that you don't feel needs urgent attention at least give the tenants an understanding of when you're going to when you're going to look into that further or when you're going to review that situation you might say hey look i don't you know we're not planning to clean the parsers yet but in, in three months time we'll look at doing that so there's an expectation there around when you're going to handle those maintenance jobs the next one is to be real with your tenants so i see this happen time and again where uh tenants are scared to tell owners about an issue with a property because they don't want to jeopardize their renting situation. They don't want to be um, given notice or forced to go somewhere else or be seen to be kind of difficult tenants. You need to create a safe space for your tenants to tell you anything. Um, If there's a bit of a drip in the tap underneath the bathroom vanity, you need to Have your tenants feel like it's safe to tell you these things, you know, that they're not going to be in trouble, that you're not going to be upset that they brought this to your attention. Because if you don't find out as soon as possible, this may lead to um, further damage and, and issues later on. So you need to be real with your tenants, create a safe space for them to bring things up with you and tell them that feedback isn't going to jeopardize their renting situation. Another one, if you want to be a, a good landlord, a good property investor, is to be flexible with end dates. So, most property managers uh, and, and landlords um, will try and tie people into like a twelve-month fixed term, and they often try to get these to end at the end of January and the start of February. And this this is fine for the landlord and the property invest, you know, and the and the property manager because if their tenant leaves at the end of January, everyone else is looking for a property then, so it's easy to find a tenant. But it sucks for the tenant. You know, if everybody leaves their property at the end of January, it's this mad rush to try and rush around and find something else. uh, And that can put people in a tricky position. It's also tricky if something changes for that tenant. You know, say a family member passes away and they need to move home to a different city or maybe they get a job offer in the middle of their fixed term and they want to move overseas or move to a different place Um, or perhaps they want to buy a home and Uh, if they're in the middle of a fixed term, that makes it really tricky because they might need to settle on the property they're buying in, in a month's time, but they're still stuck paying the rent on your rental until, you know, the end of January next year. Now, most people have provisions for this where like you, you might say, look, you've got this fixed term until January, but you can, um, If you pay for the, if the tenant pays for the advertising and the re-leading fees and things, then you can find a new tenant to replace them. But I'd suggest to you, the nice thing to do as a landlord is if you've got a tenant and they've been there for a while and they've been good to you and paid the rent on time and they want an early release from their fixed term because they're, they're trying to buy a house, just let them have it. Just be nice. Just understand that it's really tricky if you're a tenant and you're trying to juggle these things. Um, Understand that if situations come up where, you know, maybe there's been a bereavement in the family and they want to move home to to a different town to go and be with their family, understand that you should just let them out of a fixed term without making it hard on them, without saying, oh, no, you've got to pay the rent till I find another tenant. I would say be nice. Let them give you three weeks notice or four weeks notice and, and let them go on their way and you can find another tenant. You know, that's how you can be, in my opinion, a good ethical property investor. Yes, if you've got them in a fixed term, by rights, you could make them pay rent until you find someone else and you could probably make them pay advertising costs and other things. But is it the right thing to do? I think probably not. Um, depending on the situation, but if they've got a, a good reason for wanting to to leave or for, um, for, for breaking that fixed term early, then let them go or have them on a periodic tenancy in the first place, which gives them flexibility. last and final thought would be to... Uh, well, actually, I've got two more. Once you have a few investment properties, invest in something else. The reason I say this is I've met quite a few property investors who have amassed really large portfolios where they own, you know, like 20 properties. And in this day and age, once you've got, I don't know, say three or four or five investment properties your financial freedom is, I would argue, pretty well taken care of. More than that, beyond that, and you're just you're just playing adult monopoly. You know, you're just stacking up as many as you can because you because you find it fun. And while that's arguably okay, like good on you for taking care of your, you know, retirement and and building family wealth. Property is a pretty finite resource, so every property that you own is a property that another young family can't can't buy and can't get on the ladder with so i think this idea of kind of stockpiling properties might seem on the face of it not a terrible thing but to me it kind of when you think about it i just think is, is probably pushing it a bit far. you know once you've got three four five properties in total including your own home that seems like enough at that point you might consider investing in you know, please understand, I'm not a financial advisor, but at that point, you could sit, consider investing in companies, or startups, or index funds, or any number of other options that you could look at. And we all know from when we were kids playing Monopolies, playing playing the game Monopoly with our older brothers. You know, once someone's got all the cards and they're obviously winning the game, it becomes no fun. It's no fun anymore. So if you want to be a good ethical property investor, don't go for a massive massive portfolio um, spread the love around let other people get in the game if they can as well and last but, but not least don't forget how lucky you are to be in a position to own investment property in the first place and that's the one i want to leave you with don't forget uh don't forget how how privileged we are to be in this position how lucky we are and don't take that for granted and on that note thank you for listening i appreciate you taking the time to to hear through these ideas and i hope that will help you on your investing journey Um, please get professional advice before making any investment decisions of course and uh, if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends or put a review on whichever app that you listen to podcasts on Uh, and if you've got an idea for a future episode please email andy at good thanks for listening